What up, everybody? I wanted to share a little bit about the Grexley Patreon before we kick off this new episode of the SDP. If you like this podcast, you should definitely check out everything Grexley has going on. Eight podcasts in all, and you can support the Grexley cause by going to patreon.com slash Grexley. A donation of $1.99 per month gets you a monthly text post from every podcaster, access to the Grexcast exclusive podcast, and a heads up when Grexley swag goes on sale. The $6.99 per month level gives you all of that along with behind the scenes videos including me sitting in my van the opportunity to vote on upcoming content and stickers and the gold level 12.99 per month gets you all the extras the keys to all the bonus podcasts you can't get anywhere else a t-shirt of your choice so check it all out join the team and let's get on with the show St. Catherine Drexel once said, Let us open wide our hearts. It is joy which invites us. Press forward and fear nothing. Welcome to the 32nd episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because we all need to open our hearts wide for the sake of our sisters and brothers around us to walk with them, be with them, and help them to press forward. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, even though thanks to technology we seem more connected with those around us in the world than ever before, it also seems that a lot of us are feeling profoundly lonely. And believe it or not, loneliness is a literal killer. In fact, one in five Americans say they have no one to talk to when going through difficult times. And when you look at suicide rates per capita by state, you see the rates are highest in the least densely populated states and the lowest in the most densely populated states. With research pointing to the fact that loneliness impacts suicide rates more than any other variable, we have to look into what we can do to combat loneliness. So let's look at six coping skills from Very Well Mind and see what we think. One, join a class. Two, volunteer. Three, find support online. Four, strengthen existing relationships. Five, get a pet. And six, see a therapist. As you know, I'm partial to number six, but I really think volunteering and strengthening existing relationships are the best on this list. Volunteering, helping those in your community who need support is a great way to find purpose, feel connected, and decrease loneliness. And while I stink at this, strengthening existing relationships is huge. Call your friends just to say hi. Set up a coffee meetup just to hang out. Actually make an effort to be a good friend to those already around you. Like Dorothy Day said, the answer to the long loneliness is the love that comes with community. So let's put down our phones, preferably after you're done listening to this podcast, and work on getting our communities around us back together. On to the next topic, a question I hear so often, after I decide that I need help for my mental health, where do I start? 
It's such a big step to realize that you could use some help. So start by praising yourself for realizing it's a strength to reach out, not a weakness. The answer of where to start, as you can guess, in our country depends on your insurance situation. So let's take the route of having private insurance. Typically, you would start by making an appointment with your primary care doctor and telling them that you uh, you feel like you want to get help through talk therapy or possibly medication, and they'll hopefully send in a referral or possibly bring in a therapist to make a connection with you in that moment and then schedule a return appointment to start therapy. Let's say you have government insurance, Medicaid, for example. You would look up your county's mental health access line, call, and answer their questions so you can get authorization to see a therapist or a psychiatrist depending on your need. There are sadly still some cases where people don't have any insurance at all, and this varies from state to state. In my state here in California, the best thing to do is to walk into a clinic, either a mental health clinic or a physical health clinic, and tell them what you're looking for and that you don't have insurance. In our case, you would get signed up for temporary insurance that would cover your visit, your medications if they were prescribed, and give you a chance to see a therapist to get started. There are, of course, private practice therapists where you can uh, get connected and pay out of pocket, but in all honesty, you're likely to get the same level of care by going through your insurance or county mental health services, so you shouldn't feel like therapy should be expensive for you to know that it's going to work. One last point. If you're feeling depressed or anxious or struggling with trauma, it can be really hard to take the steps that I just went through without some kind of help. So again, realize that it's a strength to reach out for help and ask a family or a family member or friend to help you call, help you remember to get to your appointment and keep helping you until you start feeling better and can manage it on your own. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to introduce you to Saint Expeditus. Born in Armenia in the 200s, Expeditus was an early Christian martyr who had a pretty large following for someone we don't know a whole bunch about. According to legend, the day he decided to convert to Christianity, the devil appeared to him as a crow and told him to defer his decision until the next day. Expeditus stomped on the bird and declared, I'll be a Christian today. There are a few interesting stories about Expeditus and how he came to be known by that name, but my favorite has to be the recurring story of a parcel of relics that have arrived at various places from Our Lady of Guadalupe Chapel in Louisiana to a French island off the coast of Eastern Africa, and the parcel is marked Expedite, and the people who have received the parcel always figure that it must be the name of the saint whose relics are enclosed. He is now known as the patron of sailors, students, and those taking tests, and he's well known to bring a quick response to the requested intercession, so reach out to him in your need. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer, so here we go. My Lord Jesus Christ, Father of endless charity, I am heartedly sorry for all my sins. Grant me therefore pardon of my sins and the grace I ask of you through the merits of the sorrows of your loving mother and the virtues of your martyr, St. Expeditus. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. (music) 
Anonymous kicks us off. My question is about sinful anger and past memories. If someone's working through past issues, like using inner child work to deal with past events, traumatic, traumatic or not, sort of what would be the mental health borderline between uh, revisiting those feelings for healing as opposed to ruminating on them in a sinfully angry way? Thanks for this question, Anonymous, and let's all stop to pray for Anonymous and everyone working through difficult past experiences in an effort to move forward in a healthy manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First off, I have to say that it's absolutely normal to be angry when working through past events in our life, especially the ones that were traumatic or even just hurt us in some way, and we haven't taken the opportunity before this to work through them emotionally. So as we explore these past events and the fallout that resulted from them, we should be prepared to experience anger, sadness, anxiety, and everything else that comes along. But then, Especially through therapy, we can slowly work through these emotions, forgive people in our hearts, give people the benefit of the doubt, or realize they, they harmed us and it was unfair and it never should have happened, but focus on the fact that we're safe now and we have an opportunity to move forward in a healthy direction through working on it. Those intense, rageful feelings will calm or at least find their context and cease from harming us in our everyday walk through life. That's where we would move toward healing. Directly to your question, however, it all comes down to intention, in my opinion. If we experience those feelings when we we're initially going through this process, but we have the goal of healing, it can't possibly be sinful. Likewise, if we have intrusive thoughts that bring rage or anger that pop into our heads because of a trigger, that, that can't possibly be sinful. If, however, we have those thoughts come up and then engage in them, as you mentioned, intentionally with our will, ruminating on, on them and letting the hatred flow through us with our permission, we may be entering sinful territory. However, I need to note that I think this experience would be extremely rare. First, because most of us don't want to have these feelings, so we try to fight them when they intrude in our minds. And second, because if we do engage the thoughts and let the rage flow through us, our culpability is most likely mitigated because of the experience and the way it harmed us, or because of our mental experience after the trauma, if that makes sense. So persevere in working through this, and always give yourself the benefit of the doubt that you are doing so in as healthy a way as you can in the moment. Next, Becca stopped by. I'm in college and this semester just started, but I'm already incredibly stressed and anxious about the semester. I'm only taking 16 credits, which is what is suggested for students to graduate on time. I feel like there is so much pressure for me to do well and it's just increasing my stress. Do you have any advice for managing stress and anxiety about school? Thank you so much for reaching out, Becca. Let's all stop and pray for her and everyone experiencing this pressure and anxiety in the educational setting. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Becca, I really hope our prayers will bring peace from Christ through the Blessed Mother's hands into your heart this very day.
First, since you noted the fact that you're only taking 16 units, I want to remind you and everyone listening that anxiety is not rational. So one hard thing about it is we look at what's going on and we're like, we shouldn't be anxious, but then we're still anxious and it sends us down a spiral of guilt and depression. Like, I shouldn't be anxious, but I am. What's wrong with me? Okay, so let's tackle some coping skills thanks to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America with some editorializing from me. Number one, learn how to self-soothe. It's so important to take a look at what helps you cope, what brings you relief, and purposefully engage in that activity. Nice baths, walks outside, prayer, things like that. Even when you're feeling good, you've got to do these things to keep the goodness going. Take Number two, take note of micro successes daily. There are a lot of good things happening in all of our lives every day, and yet the less frequent bad things clog up our brains. Writing down the small successes can really help us to see reality in a more you know, realistic manner. Three, break down tasks into more manageable components. You've got to have small goals. Having goals like graduate leads to a lot of anxiety, while small goals like show up for all my classes this week makes things feel a lot more doable. Number four, learn to combat negative self-talk. The good old ABCs of cognitive behavioral therapy will go a long way toward helping here, so Google it and give it a try. Number five, check in with your support network regularly. Reach out to friends, form a support network, and let them know how you're doing, good, bad, or otherwise. Don't just reach out to them when things are going wrong, but consistently reach out to stay connected. If we practice these things when we're doing well, it'll come more naturally and easily to us when we're crippled by anxiety, so keep that in mind and hang in there. Finn wraps us up. I'm a cradle Catholic, and although I'm pro-life, I have mixed feelings about using publicly displayed graphic images of the horror of abortion as their main effort to turn the tide. I know this is a real and serious issue, but seeing the images and getting caught off guard has always been difficult for me and my mental health because in a lot of cases, the images can be seen without warning or consent. I was just wondering if you have anything to say for people whose mental health may not be affected well by these things or just things that you can encounter unexpectedly in your daily life that kind of throw threatens to turn your mind to go places you don't really want to go. Great question, Finn. Let's first pray for an end to legalized abortion in our nation and our world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'm thinking the second part of your question is uh, the one I should spend the most time on. But since you asked, I'll touch briefly on what I think about the explicit pictures you mentioned. I hate them. In fact, they are the reason I stopped taking my family to the West Coast Walk for Life after our first visit there. While I understand the argument that the reality of the thing must be seen for people to wake up to the horror of it, I believe that there's a dignity and respect due every person (laughs) dead or alive, persons who are born, persons who are walking around, and persons who have been killed. And using the images of these babies in this way, to me, seems to show a lack of that dignity and respect that's due to them. And in my own case, I feel it makes what should be a protest open to families completely inappropriate for children. So take that opinion for what it's worth. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but there you have it. Okay, on to the more mental healthy question you asked. What can we do when we experience unexpected things in our daily life that threaten to turn our minds to places we don't want to go? So when you experience something like this as you're just trying to get through life, it's time to try and shift your emotional state. 
here's one type of process from psychology today and and i'll add some stuff in as i go along that i think makes a lot of sense first relax breathe and release the tension in your body uh, you can look up progressive muscle relaxation. It's a really cool technique. Next, detach. Attempt to clear your mind of the thought associated with the unwelcome thing that came into your life. Perhaps a meditative prayer could help you accomplish this. Third, become mindful in the moment. Stop and try to use your senses to plug yourself into the present moment. What colors do you see around you? What do you hear? Do you feel the floor against your feet? Things like that. And last, focus. Choose a word that represents how you want to feel. Peace for example. Breathe in while you say the word and breathe out while you say the word. It's hard at first because our brain wants to pour that negativity into our bodies, but the more we practice, the more we work on coping in the moment when these kind of things hit us, the better we can become at shifting our emotional state and having it impact us less and less. Hang in there. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourselves to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna.